Today's shout out is going to be two of my special charities that I think you should support. The first is called World Central Kitchen. World Central Kitchen has served over 25 million meals to the hunger since 2010. And now that we're in the middle of a pandemic, they're focusing on giving food for those who are in need. Working in dozens of cities, it provides over 250,000 fresh meals each day to those without access to food. So I'll put the link below, but I hope you guys are interested in donating and supporting World Central Kitchen. In addition, with what's going on in the United States, especially, but all over the world, we are at a prime time for change. And I think there's a perfect place where you can donate your time and money and effort, as well as other support that you should be taking at a time like this. This charity, Color of Change, is the nation's largest online racial justice organization. They help people respond effectively to injustice in the world around us. As national online force driven by more than 1.5 million members, they move decision makers and corporations and government to create a more human and less hostile world for black people in America. So that's another charity that I believe you should take a look at, and the link will be below. I think you should definitely take a look at this. As a time when we need to reflect on our past and focus on the future and divide this world no more, but actually include with one another. Now, I want you to sit back, relax, because from the same panel that gave you quarantine fitness, here to talk about general fitness that you should take advantage of, here is Agap and Eric. Theo Grobsky, when we get spasticated, we chat shit. That's what, that's what I go on in this country. All right, let's get started. So we have a podcast out there for the audience listening about specifics on quarantine fitness and what you should do when it comes to staying in you know, your apartment or house and kind of working out and staying healthy overall. But right now we're gonna dive in deeper on generics. You know, Once this quarantine ends and once life becomes normal, if it ever becomes normal, uh, maybe we should talk about back in 2019, what you've been doing rather than like, what's 2021 <laughs> gonna be like? But, but overall, we're going to try to talk about generic, uh, um, generic fitness and what you should expect for yourself to do and what, you know, some quirky information that you might want to know about when it comes to fitness and working out. So to start us off, similar question to what I asked in quarantine, maybe it's the same answer, maybe it's a different answer. Um, how long should I w work out for, typically? And how often should I work out during the week? Um, I'll start. Um, your workout vote, like, it shouldn't really change that because you're not in quarantine. So if you have, now that you have weights, you should, your workouts technically should be shorter and they should be a little bit more concise because you can add more force and more stress to your body. So for me personally, 
I know I'm not going to spend 20 minutes doing push-ups when I can bench for five minutes and get the same pump now. So like, um, you kind of save time doing that. Um, so I'd say just like keep the keep the consistency and the frequency the same, but your workouts will probably decrease by about 20 minutes. I'd say on average. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, keep the frequency of your workouts the same as they were before. Ideally you're training every muscle group at least twice a week would be the most beneficial that you can be. And as far as how long your workouts should be, it varies. Um, I know some people can get in there for like 30 minutes and just go full on the entire time and get out of there. And other guys, it might take an hour, hour and a half. It really depends on how hard you're training and how you're training. Makes sense. I mean, everyone's different and every situation is different as well. Everyone wants to be looking different. You know what I mean? Some want to be 600 macho hulks and others want to be lean basketball players, as someone mentioned on this panel. <laughs> check out our other podcast episode. That's what I'm saying. Just check it out. <laughs> uh, with that being said, these next two questions are quite important. And personally, I've had debates with my friends as well. So first of all, I wanted to ask, how do I know how much weight I should be lifting? Is there a kind of signal that your body gives or do you recommend anything to use as a reference? Okay. Um, that's a really, that's a really good question. I won't lie. Um, for <laughs> Thank me, you. I try. I, guess, I try. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say in general, for most people, body weight is kind of where you want to be. Think about body, you want to be able to lift your body weight within a year of starting gym. And that's a really good goal, I'd say. So if you can bench what you weigh, um, squat more than you weigh, and I think it's squat one point, I mean, deadlift 1.5 times your body weight, they're the, like the really good like basic goals to have. So if you look at it like that, just start a lightweight. So uh, if you're benching for the first time, don't try to do anything more than the bar when you're first doing it. Learn the technique and the form properly and have someone spot you. And once you can do the bar consistently and it's fine, add 5kg or... I think it's, I don't know how many pounds that is. Um, don't worry. And then, <laughs> <laughs> again, add 10 kg and then just go up from there. And then when you find a sticking point, so when you get to a point where, okay, I can do two reps of this and I can't push out for the third because it's too heavy, then you should know where you, that's kind of like where your natural limit starts. And then from there, it's just, that's where you should be now trying to build on that um, as you are. So it's like um, one rep max. Imagine doing your one rep maxes and then, what I, what I do, I do my, I do kind of like um, stats. So I do my one rep maxes uh, when I first started. Uh, I did them every three months-ish. And then from there, I'd, I'd do my working sets at about 70% of that. So then when I get to my one rep max and I can do my one rep max for five, five or six reps, I'd be like, okay, now it's time for me to try and add like a crazy amount to the bar and see if I can push that. If I can't, then I'll decrease and go from there and then find my new one rep max and then just carry on the process. And so yeah, I didn't like stupid words at the bar. And then, yeah, it's quite nice. Gotcha. Uh, honestly, this is part of the reason why I love my podcast is because I'm learning new things. That was something I never knew because my friends and I would always be idiots and we would just have the bar and see how much we can do. And then after, an, you know, a hundred or so, you feel dead and you're, <laughs> you're like, feel like a shrimp just kind of like swerving your hands <laughs> around. <laughs> what about you, Eric? What do you recommend? Um, I don't recommend a specific weight when lifting. Um, everyone has different goals. 
strength and gaining muscle mass correlate, but they aren't necessarily the same thing. Like you could have a guy that's lighter, but a lot stronger than someone else. So at least for me, when it comes to the amount of weight that you should be doing, I really recommend form is really important. So you want to make sure you're doing every exercise properly. His advice of starting with the bar for bench is amazing. You should start out light for all the exercises you're doing and get a foundation of doing them correctly and work from there. And I think the most important thing isn't necessarily the number that you're lifting, but it's how the weight feels while you're doing it. So if you're bench pressing, for example, you really want to make sure that you're feeling it in your chest. And if you're not feeling it in your chest, like at all, I know some people have a problem with that then you need to lower the weight and rework on your form and work up from there. Cause the most important thing is doing all the exercises properly and then progressing over time that way. Perfect. So uh, you guys have for the audience out there listening, you have both references, the actual feel and potentially the gold number that you should be achieving, which is an interesting concept that a lot of people don't know about. So thank you for giving that. But one of the questions I do have uh, personally to add on to it, does it make more sense to lift more weights in smaller reps or more reps in smaller weights? Um, I, I can answer this one first. I think it totally depends on your goals. Um, if your goals are for muscle mass, so like you are really into bodybuilding and you want to gain as much muscle as possible – doing more reps, it's really popular doing like 12 reps, 15 reps, or even more than that for building muscle. Cause time under tension is very important for that. Like you want to be under time under tension, at least 40 seconds per exercise to maximize muscle growth. But if your goals are strength, like say you want to be able to bench press three plates, doing a lot of high volume and reps might not be your best choice. So if you have strength goals, it might be better to do higher weight and lower reps. And if you have muscle size goals, it might be better to do higher reps and lower weight. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I 100% agree. Um, with the way I kind of look at it, it is like you can do both, but again, it, it comes to your, um, your goals. So if you're looking for muscle mass, you would kind of um, portion more of yours to high volume and like lower weights and more reps. But if you kind of, Again, again, if it's strength. So for me, I try to kind of like a 60-40 split. So both of them are in my routine. And I'll have, so that's why I have, uh, so in one of my upper days, I'll have a heavy chester. Um, and then another one, I will, I'll have a lighter chester. So where I'm doing more reps and more sets. But you, can, you see how there's like kind of, I'm getting the benefits yeah. of both. So they're both kind of meeting my goals. If you can find kind of like your own balance for that, or if you just want to be 100% strength, then just do 100% strength. Like it's, it's up to you and up to your goals. But I'd say it's more of a question of your goals. There's no right or wrong answer with that kind of uh, question. But yeah. Gotcha. And what about rest? How long do you recommend to rest? And maybe let's spin it into a different direction as well. Does the w amount of weights and repetition and the amount of rest that you put in, does it reflect with your age? Should there be a kind of a timeline depending on when you're 16, a young boy versus, you know, when you're 24 and what about us being 19 right now, now, and most of the audience members being in uni, is there any recommendations for kind of rest and reps combined? Mm -hmm. By rest, do you mean 
rest during workouts or during rest workouts, between yeah. workouts? Between between each rep. That's why I mean okay. rest between each okay. rep. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um as far as rest in between like sets, a uh, pretty common recommended thing is about two to three minutes. A lot of people when they're working out, they might do like a set of bench press, for example, and then wait about a minute or so, and then they feel like they're ready to go again, so they lift again. But that can be counterproductive because your body could use the extra time to get ready for the next set. So what I've read a lot and what I recommend is about like three minutes of rest between compound movements is a good number to start with. And as far as uh, different rest at different ages, I don't think it really changes. Um, I personally, I think that the amount of rest that you should do should stay consistent because your body still needs that amount of time in between sets to recover. Yeah, I 100% yeah. agree. Um, even with like the variance, so compound movements put more stress on your body, so you need more rest. But say, for example, if you're just doing bicep curls, you're only using your biceps. So when I do my sets of things like that, isolation movements, I tend to keep to a minute just because if I'm spending two minutes, it's too long for me in the gym. Um, and again, after a minute of just doing curls, you kind of feel ready to go again after a minute of rest. Um, but yeah, I agree. And then in terms of, again, with age, I, I don't think there should be a change, but I think it also comes to your gym experience levels as well. So mm. if you're in your first year of training, then of course you, you, you should keep your rests as high as they need to be for you to recover. But I'd say if you're, say you're R24 and you started lifting when you're 19 kind of thing, you should now be able to feel in yourself, in your body, kind of when you know when you're ready and also to a point where, okay, if I rest three minutes, I can get eight reps out. If I rest two minutes, I can maybe only get five reps out kind of thing. So you should kind of know where you are and where you sit and then you can choose if those extra three reps are going to be beneficial for you or you want a quicker kind of workout and increase the intensity because it, become, it becomes a thing of intensity as well. So the lower your rest times, the more intense your workout is, which is why, again, as we discussed, um, people can finish a workout in half an hour, 45 minutes, or the people that take a lot longer. So I, be, I believe it's just, if you're beginning, keep it high um, so your body can recover and get used to it. If you're more advanced, then I think you'd be okay to kind of lower it as you go on. Gotcha. Good to know. What about, so the next sets of questions are coming from the public, okay? So these are questions that some people wanted to know about, and hopefully they'll be listening to this and be able to hear the answers, okay? So this question was asked about abdominal exercises and if they're effective if you want to lose extra fat around the stomach. Um, so from all of the research that I've done and what I've seen in practice is you cannot target fat loss in a specific area. You kind of want to think of fat loss as like if you think of it as a swimming pool and there's water inside of the pool, you can't get rid of the water at the bottom of the pool before you get out what's above it first. So you have to gradually, you have to gradually yeah. <laughs> get rid of the water over time in order to lose fat. Unfortunately, for a lot of people, including myself, we store fat, especially for men, in your lower abdomen and lower back, which can be kind of annoying. But I don't like to think of it as stubborn fat. It's more underneath the other fats. So you need to lose the other fat before you can get to it. So doing extra abdominal exercises won't help you lose fat around your stomach at all. 
but they can increase the size of your abs, which could allow them to be visible at a higher body fat percentage. So it could have like visually the same effect, but it won't actually help you lose fat in your abs. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, same research and same results really is about losing <laughs> overall same body source? fat. Um, same source? Same source? Yeah, literally. Same, <laughs> same author? <laughs> yeah. Um, but what I would say is if you are losing weight, um, I wouldn't say don't do ab training. Um, just because, again, it can increase the size of your abs, but it can also give you like a positive reinforcement kind of thing. So you're losing your body fat and you're training your abs, so now you can see them more visibly. It'll give you kind of more incentive not to stop. You know, so you would carry on training and eventually you'd lose the rest of the fat and your abs maybe will only increase maybe 1% in size, but because you've lost all that fat and you've been given the positive like reinforcement, you're more likely to finish and come out on the other end with a six pack. So I'd say, um, yeah, try do both. That mental confidence. I like it. I like it. Some of us need it more than others. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What about this next question? It says, what should you do to lose weight the quickest? And then what should you do to gain muscle the quickest? Any recommendation tips in a typical gym setting? Mm -hmm. um, as far as losing weight the quickest, I really don't think that speed should be your goal with weight loss. Personally, I've lost 75 pounds. I went from 260-something pounds to under 180 at hey. a point. And um, speed is really not what you want to do. Um, what all the literature says is losing around 1% of your body weight a week when you're not very overweight is good. So if you're very overweight, you can afford to lose a little more because the fat on your body is a source of energy. And if you're very lean, like you already have abs and stuff or are very close to, you might be even more beneficial, like losing half of a percentage of your body weight a week. And the reason you want to do this is if you lose weight too quickly, you won't just be losing fat. You'll also be losing muscle. So the way that mm -hmm. I would approach weight loss instead of trying to get there very quickly is it should be more of a long-term thing where you change your lifestyle and gradually over time, you slowly lose weight until you get it to your goal. Yeah. Um, very important. That's very yeah. true. Um, yeah. Yeah. Again, I think it, it kind of works oppositely. Um, so say like new begins, it's kind of like it works the opposite way around. So say if you're on the heavier side or you have a higher BMI, you can lose more fat by making these smaller changes and that's fine. Like it's still healthy. So uh, a heavy, heavier person could lose two pounds per week or a higher percent of their body weight compared to someone who's already lean because they have more fat to lose. So it'll be easier for them to lose it if by doing the same exercise. Um, I believe... The fastest way to lose weight is dietary. It's not really too much about the gym as such. So, you know, just eating in a deficit alone, you'll naturally, your body will start adapting to the change and start shedding off fat. But again, um, it's not about the time. If you're in terms of time period, you want it to be as long as possible. So your body is adapting, but it's not, it's not um, because what can happen is your body gets kind of like shell-shocked. So it will actually hold on to fat if you're losing weight too fast because what it is you need fat to survive for things like um cold uh, energy as well so fat is one of the things that are broken down on a daily basis when you need energy so if you're lo if you're trying to if you're not feeding your body enough your body will hold on to these kind of things thinking it's under attack when it's not 
So um, I'd say losing slowly is probably more beneficial than trying to just burn. So this is why I think even these like four week shred programs and things like that, they're not very sustainable in my opinion. But yeah. Gotcha. Good to know. I mean, I'm just, I'm glad you guys know all this information because I'm learning right now, fascinated while also trying to look at the questions and I'm just, <laughs> I'm in awe because I've been doing this for maybe a year or so. And then I stopped doing it for a year or so because um, pubs were very popular. Um, <laughs> and then I need to get back. I need to get back. You guys are making me jealous. So that's my little spiel. Let's move on. Someone said, hey, I have been working out for a while now and stopped losing weight. What is happening? So um, our bodies are adaptive, meaning that our bodies adapt to how much energy we're consuming and burning a day. We consume energy through eating calories. And basically what's happening is your body got used to how much you were eating. So you're no longer, so your maintenance of calories, like how much energy your body needs to perform everything has gone down. Your body has adapted to eating less, so that's why you're stuck. The way that you can get around this is you can decrease your calories. I'd recommend about 5 to 10%, so a very small drop, and then trying that for a week and seeing if the weight continues to go down on the scale. Or if you don't want to eat less, you can try exercising a little more, like adding an extra little walk or doing something else, just so you're creating a bigger deficit every day. And then uh, a solution to if your calories do end up getting too low, because while losing weight, you might get stuck multiple times and have to continually lower your calories over time, is once you're at a point that you like or a point that you need to be, um, doing a reverse diet where over time you gradually add calories back in. On YouTube, you can look up how to reverse diet, and there's a whole bunch of people going into extreme depth explaining it. But basically, you're slowly adding calories in where it's slow enough that your body's adapting to eating more calories, but you're not adding them in fast enough. So you gain fat from doing it. So over time you can eat more without gaining much, if any fat from doing that. Got it. Spot on. Yeah. Um, yeah, hundred percent agree. Um, that's, that's, that's literally what you just need to do in this instant. Uh, the only thing that I would add is, it comes down to your metabolism as well. So if your body is used to eating a certain amount of calories, it's used to burning it at a certain rate. If you're now eating less calories, your body will adapt by lowering the rate at which it's burning the calories that you're eating. So again, this is where the idea of kind of cheat meals and cheat days comes from. But I feel like it's really badly misconstrued as like you'll lose progress, blah, blah, blah. But if you can really discipline yourself and say, okay, have one not cheat day, but a day where you'll eat at your maintenance calories, maybe once every 10 days, not try, try not to do it once per week, maybe once every 10 to 15 days. So your body can um, kind of start looking at uh, your metabolism, not slowing down. So your metabolic age should stay the same, even if you're losing um, fat. So in this way, you can kind of like trick your body into burning more fat, even though you're in, during the whole week, you're eating less and only one day per 10 days or 15 days, you're actually um, eating at your maintenance calories. So it'll stop your body from plateauing in a way. But yeah, I think that's a really good way to address that problem. Spot on. And for the audience members out there listening, we will also have another podcast with the same wonderful panel talking about specific nutrition and dieting and kind of go in depth more 
uh, with that. Okay, so by all means, check that out. But moving on, uh, the next question it says, and we touched based on it in quarantine episode that we just did. It asks, if I have no time to exercise, what can I do to still stay semi-healthy or kind of optimize my options? Mm-hmm. Um, are we allowed to curse on your podcast, Theo? 100%. 100%. Right, um, I, I um, personally hate the excuse of you don't have time to exercise. I think it's totally bullshit. Um, you have time hey. to do what you want to do. <laughs> Um, if you don't have time to exercise, maybe spending less time watching Netflix or browsing TikTok or YouTube, you can really make time to exercise if it's one of your goals. Um, I've been able to work out for an hour or so pretty much every day for the last four years. So if it's really a goal, you can make time for it. Um, so I don't really think saying that you don't have time is a good excuse. If you are a very busy person and time is a problem, you could wake up earlier to work out, go to sleep later. Um, wh- while working, you could get up and walk around a bit so you're slightly more active throughout the day. But I don't think blaming time as a reason to work out is a good thing to do. Well said. Honestly, some people need to hear yeah. that. For real. Like, it just comes down to time management, um, as you said. So, like, if you feel that you're such a busy person that you don't have enough time, Maybe you should sit down and really write down what you spend your hours doing and reallocate kind of the time that you have. Because realistically, there's no way in a 24-hour day, say you're up for about 16 to 18 hours, you don't have half an hour, 20 minutes to do something. It's like small change. And if you think, we're talking about working out one hour a day, um, but you could, if you wanted to do, you you could do half an hour, but do it more frequently and you'll still get the same volume. It'll just take you a little bit longer in terms of, your frequency to do it and that's important to know that what you guys are saying is obviously no time is worse than some time right but you can still get the performance that you need in a span of a half an hour if you prioritize yourself versus the concept of you know going to the gym for two hours that most people are thinking of so that's definitely important that people need to understand and realize that obviously whatever goal you're trying to hit as we've been talking throughout this podcast that goal can be structured in certain time frames and you can obviously find time throughout the night. As you said, you go to, uh, to the gym at 2 a.m., 2 a.m., 1 a.m. when it's dead silent and you love it. And that's the time that works for you, right? Some people need the yeah. 5 a.m. Some people need it at uh, midday. So that makes sense. Um, moving on though. So the next question someone asked, and it's actually, um, Oh no, it's second to last question before we go back to my questions. Uh, someone asked, should children lift weights? And I'm assuming they're talking about, I'm, I'm assuming they're talking about like around 10, maybe 12. Cause that's, especially with guys. I know like when you become 12, maybe 13, 14, doctors say one thing, uh, you know, coaches say another thing. What's your personal opinion on the age and maybe kind of what, exercises some people should do versus some people shouldn't do i mean we can also extend this talk right now to older people you know like at a certain point maybe don't do certain lifts at a certain age etc etc or just go for a personal experience like when you guys started and what you recommend um as far as children lifting weights 
I don't see a problem at all with children lifting weights. That being said, if someone hasn't gone through puberty or they are going through puberty, meaning like they're still growing and getting taller, proper form is extremely important because if you injure yourself while lifting, that could cause problems while you're growing. So if you are a kid or you have a kid that you want to start working out, um, start out very light and like really work on your form and make sure that your form is really good before you start adding weights to any of the movements you're doing. But I do think kids can work out if they want to. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, from my experience and we were kind of taught this when we were doing like fitness and, uh, using the fitness suite in school is that there's nothing wrong with working out at a young age whilst, but whilst your body's developing, you're more prone to again, um, these kind of things where your your body's growing you don't really know how to control it in a certain space especially when you're 12 and 13 it's growing at a faster rate than we are now so there can be some kind of issues um, if you're now adding more stress to your body through weightlifting and it has been linked to causing things like a growth deficit so you won't grow to your maximum height if you're weightlifting from a younger age and I've seen it in some of my friends as well where they started uh, lifting in the gym when they were 13 and they were taller than me then and they're not taller than me now kind of thing um the other thing with it that i would say is it comes down to your hormones as well so mm. when you are about 16 16 to 20 or i believe it is ish um they're kind of your prime years for muscle growth and uh your hormone levels so in men anyway i'm not too sure about women but it within that those kind of eight years I'd say the majority of your growth will happen if you were to train from 16 onwards. So there's no real like issue with kids training, but they may not feel those hormonal benefits that someone age 16 to 24 would feel. So like maybe the gains will be a little bit, um, they'll be slower really. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. And you actually got me thinking, I do want to make a panel for just women as well so they can get a perspective on their fitness and dieting as well. So hopefully I can make that happen in the next couple of weeks. Let's go with the last question before we go to the next episode. Okay, guys, let me ask, when should I change my fitness program? And maybe how often should I change it? And any tips or recommendation? Um, at least for me personally, when I know it's the time to change my fitness program, is when you're no longer progressing weight wise in the gym um when your lifts aren't going up and you're getting stuck is a really good indicator that it might be a time it might be a good time to try varying your workout and do something different so you can get past that roadblock um as far as how frequent to do it it really depends on how long that takes for you i know for me it could be anywhere from like a couple of months to like half of a year or so that I might be on a program if I'm progressing or I might be on a program for like two months or so and then I stop progressing so I need to change it so it really depends on like the person and if you're still progressing on the program that you're on yeah like 100% agree uh, that's why I think it's really important that you do track your lifts and like track your progress in the gym for this exact reason so you can quickly identify okay this isn't working anymore and then you can start making these little changes because it's all about it's kind of like experimental because you can't follow someone else's advice to like 
as a gospel because it's your yeah. body versus theirs. So there's, of course, genetic variations, the environment you grew up in and things like that. And even the way that you lift in the gym may be different to the way they lift and slight variances and stuff like that. Um, in terms of frequency of changing, I'd say whatever plan you start, at least give yourself maybe a month to six weeks before you start making drastic changes. So your body's at least had time to kind of adapt. And now, now you can actually make an educated decision that, okay, this isn't working. Because if you're changing every three weeks, a plan that would have been effective won't be effective in three weeks because it's, this time scale's too short. Hey, perfect advice. I love it. For all those fat asses like myself out there, the analogy is spot on. You know, you can get a recipe, but you can, can't make that pie that same thing, right? The kitchen's different. The pan's different. Some of the materials might be different in different countries, right? You can't make the same recipe spot on. So um, instead of being hungry, definitely go to the gym. That's my recommendation, all right? But <laughs> to finish, <laughs> to finish the, the segment all overall, the media is very popular in our age, right? We use social media. There's a lot of, you know, research websites out there. There are a bunch of apps out there. So first of all, I wanted to ask, is there any negative misconceptions about working out in general, right? At the, in a gym or outside that you can think of right now? I'm, I am putting you on the spot. And to be honest, I just came up with the question, but, uh, but is there any negative misconceptions that you've had a discussion with people thinking that it's true, but it's not actually true that you want to share to the audience and maybe help them out and say, you know what, don't do this or yeah. Um, I have two that come right to mind. Perfect. Um, the first misconception is it's very commonly said that you need to consume protein like oh, I just finished my workout. Next 30 minutes, I need to get a protein shake in. Mm, like that's a yeah. really popular belief. Um, that's not needed at all. Um, if you get protein in within a couple hours of working out, it'll have close to, if not the same effect of consuming protein right after. It's actually more important as far as nutrition goes for what you eat before your workout to fuel your workout than afterwards. And the other misconception other than you need to eat right after your workout is um, this isn't just women, but a lot of women that I've talked to are scared that if they go to the gym and start lifting weights, that they're just going to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger and <laughs> they're going to just be this completely buff thing that they don't want to be. And gaining muscle is a very slow, long process. Like a lot of the like guys that look really good have been in the gym for like years consistently doing the right thing. So if you're just starting out, um, you're not going to gain muscle so fast that you don't like it. So that should not be a reason to work out. And my advice to all women that want to get into better shape is like, go to the gym and copy what the guys are doing. Because what they're doing, if it works for them, will work for you too. Perfect. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Um, and again, looking uh, coming back to that comment about um, influencers, especially that have been in the gym for a very long time, the majority of people... Um, these like fitness models have been in the gym for at least five to 10 years. Like you can't ex expect to follow their products. And you know, like they always post certain things like uh, this whey protein or this isolate protein. You can buy it of course. But again, when you start the gym, it's not a necessity. You will get the majority of your protein from your diet. And that, that's all that you really need. That it's because it's called supplementation because it is a supplement. Like it's to add on top of something that's already 
you've got like a nice base layer already. So it's just to kind of add to something. Um, yeah, I agree with that. The other misconception that I would say um, is cardio, really. The idea that you can't go to the gym and not do cardio, or you should be doing tons of cardio if you want to get really ripped or something like that. Um, it's never really the case. And a lot of people waste their time running on treadmills for hours on end, um, doing very long cardio sessions, and your body will become will quickly adapt to that kind of thing. And again, if you even look at it from um, a physical standpoint, so if you look at marathon runners compared to, say, sprinters or people who do like just short distance run, their body compositions are very, very different. Um, and of course, it's your whatever goal is your goal, but the majority of people don't want to look like a marathon runner kind of thing <laughs> when it comes to their fitness. When you think about yeah. fitness, you're thinking six pack, you're thinking big shoulders and big chest, and you're not going to get that if you're running on a treadmill for an hour and a half every time that you go to the gym. Spot on. Um, um, adding to that yeah. also, um, if you do a lot of cardio and say you do a lot of cardio to lose weight, when you achieve your goal, you can't cut that cardio out. You still have to do the cardio to maintain the physique you got. So doing an insane amount of cardio can be counterproductive in the long run because if you're doing three hours of cardio a day, to achieve your goal, you have to do three hours of cardio a day to maintain it. You can wean off of that over time, but you can't just go from doing a whole lot to nothing. So that's definitely a big misconception. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I started a YouTube channel a couple of weeks ago. It's relatively new. Um, it's my name. It's Eric Steinzig on YouTube. Um, I'm making videos about fitness and nutrition. That's the entire focus of my channel. Um, people that I learned a lot of what I know from on YouTube are, um, I might be butchering his name, but Paul Revelia, he's a bodybuilding coach and he coaches some world-class bodybuilders. Um, he knows his shit, especially when it comes to like dieting and nutrition and stuff. Like he's a great resource to check out and learn a lot from, um, Brian DaCosta. He's another popular YouTuber. He has a bunch of workouts. He posts a new workout, I think, every day on his Instagram, and a bunch of them are body weight and things that you could follow at home. And then probably the last thing that I would say is um, another YouTuber, Greg Doucette. Um, he's kind of obnoxious, but he has some great content <laughs> on his channel too that you could learn a lot from all three of those guys. Definitely. Um, yeah, they're pretty good choices as well for... The UK-based audience, um, I mean, I'd say try find kind of student athletes, uh, usually a good, like, base to go for because then at least you get kind of like the lifestyle kind of thing out of it as well. Um, so people like Joe Delaney, um, he's very fitness um, kind of scientifically. He looks at his things and he talks about why he does this and why this works for him. And he's been in the gym for about 10 years. Um, another really good influencer is Jeremy Ether. I don't know if anyone's heard of him. He's relatively new. I think he does built with science. Um, so even his website has a lot of blog posts and things like that on nutrition, um, calorie, calorie calculators, anything like that. With even his channel itself is very much focused on new lifters, not so much experienced lifters, but um, you can learn quite a lot of things from that. Even I learn on a daily basis kind of the stuff that he talks about. Um, because there'll be stuff that I'm doing in the gym and I'm just doing it because I've seen other people do it without really understanding why I'm doing yeah. it. But um, I'm still seeing results, so I'll just carry on doing it. But there's that. Um, in terms of apps, 
definitely my fitness pal um is a really good app uh, i believe it's by under armor um i use it for tracking my calories on a daily basis and um me and eric were talking before um about it and it's it's just a really really good app um to use especially if you're a beginner just to know where your kind of maintenance calories are where you are maintaining weight and then from there you can now set your goals on the app as well so it can really keep you in check and if you're seeing that negative number when you've eaten too much too much in that day like it really it really like sheds a light on the stuff that you're doing wrong but yeah perfect uh bonus bonus question for the fans out there to know get to know you guys a little bit as well what's the what's the go-to track when you're in the gym or maybe what genre of music and please please don't tell me it's like heavy metal or country i I, i'm kicking you out if that's the case i'm just saying (laughs) um for me uh it's honestly been i'm old school rap is like go-to for me like 90s and early 2000s rap i listen to a lot of eminem while working out he helps me get through a lot of workouts um like jay-z kanye west a bunch of that type of music is usually my go-to that's a, that's a good genre. That's a good one. Yeah, for me, it's literally either them or um, sometimes J. Cole. I like a little bit of J. Cole, just kind of like get into the mood right. of the workout. But um, if I'm already in the gym, I'm really like pumped up already. Um, I like to listen to a bit of trap music. So things like Little Baby, um, where they've got like a really high tempo, a nice little backbeat. And I'm just thinking, yeah, I'm going to rep this one out <laughs> and then carry on with the next one. Yeah. <laughs> that's good that's good perfect guys thank you so much for doing this i hope for the audience out there listening i hope this made all all sense um, and you guys get some good advice from these people now we're going to move on to nutrition and diet thank you so much for listening to this episode if you like this and you want to hear more by all means click that like button and subscribe to our channel if you're interested in any of the trainer references that we did in this episode or you want to take a look at the panel's social media, by all means, take a look at the links below. Now, I hope you stay safe, I hope you stay healthy, and more importantly, I hope you stay motivated. Because hopefully, the information we gave to you today will help your life in a better way during a time of crisis and darkness. By all means, if you choose to use the advice that we give you today, please tag Real Talk with Theo Corlin on any social media post that you show your progress in your mind or physical health journey. Thank you so much, and I hope to see the wonderful progress you do. Make content upon content.